talk about his circumstances that he's joining us in. So welcome, Pastor Luke, as he comes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Beep. 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 Backing up here. Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? I think I'm far enough back so I can see everybody in the room. Hey, Marianne. Good to have everybody here with us. Um, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Hey, man, I had a good Thanksgiving. I ate a lot of food. Oh, my goodness. It was good. But it's good to be here. I do want to share uh, what's going on. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm Luke. I'm, I'm the children's and middle school pastor here at Christian Life Church, and it's good to be with you. I'm usually in another room. I'm usually in the gymnasium, um, and uh, Paul Grippo is in there right now. So God bless Paul for leading our kids. I love him, and uh, got a good team. And if there's any kids watching online who can't be here, I miss you. Let me know if you need anything. And um, so as you guys can see, I'm in a wheelchair. And uh, I, uh, about a month ago, I was playing basketball, and I was doing some kind of move. I can't remember if I was dunking or no, I'm just trying to look. But I was doing some kind of move where my left leg moved, but my right didn't, and it totally tweaked, and I tore my ACL, and I tore my, actually, I didn't mention this last night, but I tore the inside of my meniscus right here. So the doctor last week, I had surgery last Thursday, he replaced the ACL with two hamstring ligaments, and then he stitched up my meniscus. So um, yeah, that's crazy. But isn't it amazing how God created our bodies so wonderfully? So I am on the mend. I give all the glory to him, and uh, I, I love doctors, but he's just good to repair this. So I'm in a wheelchair, and as you can see on the screen, uh, we are talking about today finding joy in suffering. Finding joy in suffering. And uh, I don't know about you, but this year has been crazy. It's been unprecedented. We say that a lot. And it's just been a year where it's not what any of us thought. It's a lot of challenges. And maybe you're suffering today. Maybe you can relate to physical pain. Um, I know many here would have emotional pain, maybe anxiety about the future, um, financial burdens. Whatever you have today, I want you to bring it to Jesus. Because here's the hope. Is it's going to be a serious talk. I just want to talk through First Peter, and I want to get Peter's perspective. But Peter encountered Jesus, and we're going to talk about that at the end. But he found joy in Jesus, and he counted it all joy um, in, in trials. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to look in the book of First Peter on the joys of suffering. And we're going to go chapter by chapter. There's five chapters, so there's five passages I want to look at. Um, each one a brief passage, but just a great perspective on the joys of suffering uh, this morning. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll start there, and in verse 6 it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. So Peter is writing to a suffering church, 
And at the time of this letter, we know in church history that Nero was in charge of Rome. And Nero was uh, a leader who openly persecuted Christians. And so as we read this passage, he's talking to people that are in the heat of persecution. And so as we gain that perspective, we kind of see that Paul's talking to people that he knows are suffering. And one of the greatest paradoxes for Christians is this idea of joy mixed with pain and suffering. We feel like those two things should be mutually exclusive, that they shouldn't even be together, but they are. And on the one hand, we rejoice as Christians for an inheritance of our future. How many of you are excited for heaven? <laughs> Amen. We have an inheritance in Jesus. And here's what the gospel message is in a nutshell. Here's what it is, is that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be glorious. And this is what Jesus does, is that we cannot uh, be perfect on our own. And so Jesus lived the life we couldn't. Jesus is God's son who came to earth. He died on the cross for our sins. And the ripple effect of sin, we can see it in our life that there is pain, there is suffering, and Jesus wants to redeem that. He wants to take the sin, he wants to take the suffering, and he took it on himself on the cross. And Jesus didn't stay dead, he rose three days later, and he's in heaven right now. And you know what? He's coming back. So, the question becomes, are you ready? So, believe in Jesus, God's Son, who is fully man, fully God, for salvation, and you will be saved. And so, we have that excitement about heaven. And then the other hand, we also know that our trials are temporary. Whatever we're going through right now, even if it's a small part of our life, you know, that's, that's small. But even our life, it says in James, it's just a mist. I mean, you think about eternity, you know, you just think how long that is. Just a speck is our life. And, you know, um, some of you here are dealing with issues that you've been dealing with your whole life. You have unanswered prayers that you've been praying for forever. And I think of, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been praying for me. And uh, I want to say something, too. I want to thank you for anybody who's given me gifts. I, some people here have given me chocolate ice cream, and you know who you are. And, you know, that's the real remedy, I think. But also, I want to thank my wife, Hannah, because, you know, we, I, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's so selfless. I love her. And, um, yeah, there you go. Get a clap. But, you know, our marriage isn't perfect, but we work really hard to put each, other's, each other first. And she's been putting me first just all week with this. So thank you, Hannah. And uh, when I think about Hannah, Hannah deals with chronic migraine, and she's been battling it since she was four and that's her testimony to tell. But what I tell Hannah, and when we pray every night, every night we pray, God, take away Hannah's migraines. And it's so sincere. Uh, you know, that's my heart. That's Hannah's heart. But I tell her, even if she's not healed in this life, I know that there's going to be relief in heaven. Amen. And it's not all bad days, but I, I'm telling you, for you too, there is total relief of all pain in heaven. Oh, I long for that day. And so comparatively, the trial in this life is much shorter than our future in Christ. Amen? Hold fast to that. For the unbeliever, here's where, here's where we're going to get down to the uh, theology here. But for the unbeliever, trials are forever and a foretaste. 
and I don't like saying unbeliever. I like to say pre-believer. I like to say pre-saved. I think God's going to work in hearts and lives. And uh, on the other hand, for the believers, this is for us, this is what we have to believe, that trials are temporary, like we talked about, and they're a test. Trials are temporary, and they're a test. So you might say, Pastor Luke, do you think COVID-19 is a test? Absolutely. Do I think that this ACL tear is a test? Absolutely. Do I believe that what you're going through is a test? Absolutely. Because you think about Abraham when he was asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, he didn't do it, but God was testing him to see if he would do it by faith. And so God doesn't waste good suffering. He uses it for his glory. Amen? And so we got to believe that for the believers, trials are temporary and a test. Do you know why? It's because you got faith. It's because you have faith. If, if you don't have faith, there's nothing to test. So the unbeliever, you know, doesn't get tested on their faith because they have no faith. But who's got faith today? And how many of you are in a trial? Hold fast. Don't give up. Don't give up. And at any time, and I want to be clear, at any time an unbeliever can be, become a believer in Jesus to be saved. So don't think that's there are two different camps. I really just think God's ushering people in more and more in the last days. It says in Galatians, don't give up because you'll see the harvest. I think the harvest has come, and I think it's here. Um, let's talk about when things are good. I think when prevailing conditions are favorable, it might be easy to be a Christian. But when public confession of Christ brings persecution and suffering, then the casual followers drift away and are lost in the crowd. So I encourage you and throughout this message to hold fast to faith. Um, Martin Luther eloquently said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. And on, Jesus said when we talked about the cost of discipleship in Luke 14, 33, he says to us, so you can't become my disciple without giving up everything you own. This is the cost of discipleship. Are you ready to give up everything to follow Jesus? I think there's going to be harder days of persecution ahead. And I'm not just saying that um, to be a downer. I know Pastor Darrell said it. But hold fast to faith. Look to Jesus. He will see us through. Many, I, I tell you, all the time, people are like, Luke, is this the end times? Yeah. It's been the end times since Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. <laughs> you know, I'll be home soon. I, you know, I'll tell Hannah, I'll be home soon. Jesus said he'll be back soon 2,000 years ago. You know, <laughs> So get ready. But at the same time, what I see in the book of Revelation, and don't, I don't know what seal we're on. We, I don't know where we're at in the book. Honestly, it's hard to interpret. But what I do know is that God takes good care of his church in the last days. Hold fast, church. He's not going to leave us. He will not forsake us. And uh, just to conclude the first chapter here, uh, the Believer's Bible Commentary says on this passage, the Christian's joy is not dependent on earthly circumstances, but on the risen, exalted Christ at God's right hand. It is no more possible to rob a saint of joy than it is to unseat Christ from his place of glory. The two stand together. I love that. 
Nobody can take away your joy because your joy is in Jesus. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what you go through. As believers, we have Jesus, our hope, our joy, our peace is secure. Amen? Let's move on to chapter 2. I just love this. It's so good. 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll look in verse 20. I, just, I love breaking down the doctrine of pain and suffering because it's just, it's just so good. I think as a Western society, we just try to be so, uh, you know, take away the pain. Get an Advil, get, you know, get medic- medicine. But um, God really is with us in the midst of pain and suffering. So in verse 20 of chapter 2, it says, For what credit is it if you, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you... But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this do you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an, an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's good. He himself bore his sins in his body to the tree that he might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. And so what we learn here in this passage is that uh, suffering for misdeeds is normal. And it brings no glory to God. But suffering for well-doing is countercultural, and is the thing that counts. Like Peter said, he said, what, is, what value is it if you sin and you go through hard times, but rather what if you had faith in Jesus and you remained in faith, you trusted God in the hardest season of your life, that is the thing that counts. And faith in these days is countercultural. We really need to be men and women who fear the Lord. And here's what Jesus did as we uh, let him into the equation. Jesus took care of your misdeeds and sin so that you could patiently suffer for good. And Jesus hasn't left you. He is with you. And moving right along here, we're going to go to chapter 3. Another thought here from Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. It reads, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor God, Christ the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for being good, if that should be God's will, than by doing evil. Amen? So here's what's going to happen if you suffer for Jesus. Three things are going to happen. It's going to be on the screen. But number one, God overrules the suffering for his glory. Like I said, Jesus doesn't waste good suffering. It says in the scripture, we learn in Romans that God works everything together for good. 
God is so powerful that he can give us free will, and there's sin, and it's rampant, but he can take the most evil thing and turn around for good. If you've seen any good from this year, we know that God is with us. Amen? He's, he's greater. And number two, he uses the suffering to bring blessing to others. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of times we go through things that will help others when they go through the similar experience, right? You ever notice that? And this is maybe more a trite example. Maybe you could think of something more uh, for, uh, pertaining to you. But for me, when I was about to go to surgery, what meant the most was when people said, uh, Luke, I've been there before. I had the same surgery. It's totally treatable. You're going to do great. And that's what meant the most. And so whatever you're going through, I know is not wasted. If you have pain that's similar to others, I know that you can relate to them. And if you've got experiences and trauma and different events in your life that were hard and difficult, but you got through it, you can watch and see, and you, you, you can notice people that are going through the same thing. So God will use it. It's never wasted. Never wasted. And number three, he blesses the one who suffers for his name. I love Psalm 23. And in verse 3, it says uh, that he leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And it's kind of like you got this line. And then in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? So here's, here's the illustration, though. I love David. I love his heart, you know. And uh, it's just like sometimes we think that, okay, I'm on the paths of righteousness, and then I somehow got off, and now I'm in the valley. No, no, no. It's all the same. Because at the beginning of 2020, how many of you thought your life was going to be like this, and then it just kind of went like that, right? How many of you expected something in your life, and then it kind of goes like this? You know, I thought I would be walking this week, and then I hurt myself, or you thought you'd have a job, and then something happens. You thought everything was good, and right? But here's what we have to get from Psalm 23 is that even though I walk through the valley, even though I, I'm going through the motion, even though I'm going through a hard thing, Jesus never left me. Did Jesus ever leave you? No, but he's going to lead you. Amen? He never will leave you. He'll always lead you. And the paths of righteousness, he's going to bless you even in the valley. We are blessed even when we're suffering. We have hope above all hope. And you know what? It's crazy because people are going to see you being persecuted. And this is where we're going with this question uh, that uh, I'm going to ask in just a second. Um, so Peter is writing to a suffering church, and he's uh, going to people that are being persecuted openly for their faith. And it's kind of like if you're going through the ringer right now and you are having hope and people see it, you know what? They're going to ask you for the reason that the hope that is in you. And here's the question I have for you this morning. Are you ready to share the gospel even when you're suffering? Are you ready? Because it's not like Peter's writing to these people that are like at this level of prosperity and they're ready to go out and preach, but they're like, they're going through the ringer. They are suffering. They're, they're, they're in the valley. But he's telling them, are you ready to tell people about Jesus? 
And that's hard for me, too, especially when, I, you know, you're injured or, you know, I, if people ask me to pray for them, I would, but it's hard because I'm like, why would I pray for others when I need help? But I got to get out of that mentality that even if I'm suffering, I can tell people about Jesus. I can still pray for others. Amen? Come on. We got to get in that. And I'll, know, I'll tell you one story. I've never, I'm, I've always been outgoing and I try to tell people about Jesus. I've been getting better. I've been getting over the fear. But uh, I remember when I was working at the YMCA, uh, out of uh, high school and the college, I had this girl, and I was outgoing, and I was telling different people about Jesus, and she, said, she told me once, she's like, Luke, are you trying to be like Jesus or something? Well, you caught me. So, are you ready to share the gospel even when you're suffering? All right, let's move on to chapter 4. Uh, in verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised. Ooh. Do not be surprised at this fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Wow. So what we learn from Peter is that suffering is normal for the Christian. And... I'm going to say this, that Jesus came not just to take away your sufferings, but also to share in your sufferings. And that's key, because I, you might be like, Pastor Luke, and I would say this too, what about the verse we just read, quoting from Isaiah, by his stripes you are healed. I say, yes, amen. Um, I believe this, but you got to catch this truth. If God does not answer your prayers right away, do not give up in the suffering. If God does not answer your prayers right away, do not give up in the suffering. It is a test, and there's always a greater purpose. It is a test, and it's always a greater purpose. Amen? All right, here's the concluding verse, and then we're going to have a time to reflect on this. But uh, in 1 Peter uh, 5, verse 10, just love this opening line says, and after you have suffered a little while. And the Bible, it always says, this too shall pass. And, the, you know, some people are healed suddenly. Just, just wait a little bit. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen? I'm going to put on the screen what those four things relate to us in our lives and I'll leave it up here as we conclude, but trials, one, restore to make us more spiritually mature. Two, they confirm us to make us become more stable in our faith. Three, they strengthen us to grow us to endure even greater persecution and trial. And number four, they establish us to make us secure in Christ. So we'll leave that on the screen for a minute, but after a while we can... We're going to move into a time of uh, just responding because it says in the scripture that we need to, Jesus said, let's worship in spirit and truth. We got a lot of truth, uh, but I want the spirit, God's spirit, just to work inside you wherever you're at here. And I want um, just it to go from our head to our hearts in this moment. And um, just allow God to move and uh, we will respond in just a minute. I'll ask you a question. But uh, 
I'm going to tell you a story about what happened this week, and I'm, actually, I'm going to also tell you something about Peter that I've, uh, as I was studying this week. But um, this week, just to be vulnerable with you, I was having a really hard day, and I, I slipped, I fell, my crutches fell, Hannah wasn't home, and I was getting ready, and I just put my towel over my head, and I just was so done, and I was just like, uh, Jesus, and I was worshiping too. I was like having worship music on or something. I just said, Jesus, if you take away everything from me, I'll still worship you. It was just a moment of weakness and just really um, rock bottom for that moment. But um, but I I got up and I just reflected. I'm like, I ke- I'm going to keep going. And let me tell you why I keep going. And you might say, Pastor Luke, you're outgoing. You got the personality. Let me tell you, I have, I have a lot of bad days, and this year has been hard, just like everybody, and uh, I'm going to tell you why I keep going, and uh, I keep going simply because I know in my heart that Jesus loves me. That's it. That's all it is, and you know what? I got to tell you, because that doesn't exclude you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much, and it's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because of anything. I'm not even a good person, tell you, let me tell you. But let me tell you, because he loves me unconditionally. There's nothing I did to earn or deserve his love. And it's the same with you. Don't clean yourself before you come to Jesus. Just go to him right now where you're at. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Oh, it's awesome. And so just to conclude with Peter, um, Peter had this moment where he had uh, a weakness. He denied Jesus three times that he knew him. And Jesus just came in and wrecked his world. And uh, he comes to Peter and he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And it's significant because it covers up the three denials, right? It kind of reinstates Peter. And what that shows me is, yes, Jesus will cover up our sin 100%. But let me tell you something. I don't believe that Jesus is some kind of theological robot that we have to say, I love you, Lord, every time we sin. But do you know why? This is, this is really, I think, the key to all of this. Do you know why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? You got to catch this because this is for you. This is for me. This is everybody watching online. He asked Peter, do you love me? Because he just wanted to hear Peter say, I love you. So in your heart, as we conclude, I just want us to get in a posture of worship. Just maybe bow your heads and your hearts. Just, I'm, I'm done, but I'm just going to pray because, man, we just need a moment with the Lord. And I'm going to just let the room be silent for a moment. And if you're watching online, just get with your family or just get alone and just spend some time with the Lord. And here's the question I have for you. After we consider all these things and we think about our lives and Nothing else matters. Let me just ask you one question. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? Do you believe that Jesus loves you? I encourage you just to say a prayer to him in this time.
Just tell them you love them. Tell them you're thankful. You rejoice in the midst of suffering. Spirit. Father God, in worship, we just bow down and extend our hearts in such humility and gratitude that you love us. God, I just pray that today, this week, our whole lives, we would just day by day gain a better understanding of how high, how deep, how wide, how surpassing the love of Jesus is. This has been a hard year, Lord. We come before you with broken hearts, with physical needs, with financial burdens, with anxiety about the future, with relationships that need to be mended, with depression that needs to be remedied. Lord, we look to you and we lay every need, every care, every burden at your feet. And I just pray you'd meet us where we're at. Just like Peter, Lord, would you reinstate us and remind us that you love us first and then, Lord, let us respond in our heart to love you back. Jesus, I just pray that if anyone doesn't know you here or online or listening to this later, Lord, I just pray that they would receive you and believe in you for salvation and make you their Lord and Savior. And Father God, I just pray for joy unspeakable for peace that surpasses all understanding, for strength that comes on from on high. Thank you, Lord, that you are mindful of us and that you've never left us. You'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. So, Father God, right now we ask for joy in the midst of suffering. God, our minds don't have to comprehend it, but God, help our hearts to receive it. Receive joy, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you receive it? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to invite Pastor Merrill to come.